1: Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning a business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business.
2: Greetings listeners and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I'm also the president of World Business Advisors of Naperville one of about 225 business brokerages uh, throughout the world, Transworld that is. We are the largest business broker and the fastest growing business brokerage firm in the world. We cater to small to medium-sized businesses, assisting owners confidentially selling their businesses to qualified buyers. We also do franchise sales and we do franchise development as well. And I am delighted to have my first ever, if I can say that, I think I can say that, our first ever creative disruption strategist, Kara Macklin, who's going to tell us a little bit about how creating a little chaos, I guess, is going to enhance your uh, business endeavors. So, Kara, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. How's your day going so
0: far? Great, it's lovely on on this side of the pond. I'm obviously in Ireland, so our weather is beautiful today and no rain, which is great for us.
2: Good, yeah. So she's six hours ahead of us, so she's already seen the world six hours ahead of where we are in Chicagoland, but. We're not going to be talking about that. Kara. tell us a, a little bit about what your current company is, what you do, how you assist your clients, and then uh, we'll go from there.
0: So I set up my most recent company in the middle of the pandemic, um, well, a few weeks into it, and it's called Karam. And you know, we're going to get into a bit about my background, but really the passion and drive for setting it up was I knew that leaders, and, and particularly entrepreneurs, we're going to need a very different way of leading and growing their business than what they had done in the past. Um, and as you'd said, you know, in my title, Creative Disruption Strategist, that's probably what I've done most of my lifetime in business. Um, so I brought together the experience of innovation and what I've done as well as growing up in a family business. Um, and I really, you know, it's why I suppose I was really attracted to your podcast. I really want to work with entrepreneurs who want to not just make profit, as you've said, but really want to make a massive difference on their communities or, you know, meaning in the world. And that that's difficult when you, you know, you want to do both. So I work with entrepreneurs to help them and, and their business to do that better and, and scale.
2: That's great to hear. So before we get into a little bit more of that, we're going to go down memory lane, if you will. So we're going to rewind the videotape. And I don't think videotapes exist anymore. But For purposes of uh, this conversation tell us a little bit about your background where did you grow up how did your family and your parents influence you as you were in your formative years and then as you got into your education and uh, where you are today so i'll let you kind of guide us through that story
0: sure so i grew up in the countryside in northern ireland you know a very typical irish northern irish upbringing i suppose with the exception that my parents started their own business. And that was during the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Um, so my parents opened a hotel and then care homes as well. So I thought that was normal for everybody that you grew up learning about business and about tax and fat and discussing a business around the kitchen table. So, you know, when people say to me, when did your journey as an entrepreneur start? I say probably about five years old around the kitchen table. So. You know, I I worked in the hotel as a teenager and, you know, that was very important role as well. And I think all teenagers should in terms of the importance of customers, customer service. The customer is always right. They tell you very quickly or they spend their money somewhere else. Then I did the usual, you know, university did business studies. I went to London for a few years to work and I worked in Marks and Spencer's, which is a big food. It's a big retailer in, in the UK, but in their food section. Um, and that was in the food trend studio. So that was where my passion, I suppose, for innovation really started in a business sense and came back to the family business then um, in my early 20s to take over one of our biggest businesses. So we one of our care homes at that stage had you know roughly a hundred employees, 80 residents. So that was my first job in the family business in my early 20s. So certainly my my formative years and growing up, I, I remember at eight years old in school being asked what did I want to do when I grew up, and most girls my age maybe wanted to be a nurse, maybe wanted to be a teacher. And I said, I want to do um, Tammy Girl, which in those days was a fashion chain um, for teenage girls. So, you know, it, it wasn't unusual. I didn't know the term entrepreneur um, when I was that age, but but certainly I knew from a very young age that, that I wanted to run, you know, a business and I love the, the dynamics and didn't want a traditional job.
2: So you mentioned working with your family's business, correct? Would you consider yeah. that a corporate career stop or would you say that was a quasi entrepreneurial experience? How would you characterize that?
0: Oh, definitely entrepreneurial. I mean, we my parents are not we're not corporate at all. Um, very. The business when I went into it had roughly 200 employees and um, we had three different businesses. But very much you know finger on the pulse we knew all the staff we were involved in most things going on and and we would have scaled that business I was there for about 15 years and we scaled that business up to about 700 employees and seven businesses so you're looking by that stage you know kind of 20 million turnover upwards so it it's not gone in go a way very much around you know growth you know certainly mergers and acquisitions which you're very involved in and and how you develop it on a very sustainable model, both from a financially stable, but your culture, your values, your community, you know, so it's a much bigger picture than just just the financial numbers.
2: Sure. What were some of the uh, more profound uh, challenges or experiences that you had during your formative years, if you will, working with the family business that kind of set the stage for where you are today? What are come out like one or two, maybe three of them that you could share with us?
0: Sure. I mean my first biggest challenge in my early twenties, I believed I suppose I'm a very collaborative style of leader, but the leader at the top has to give the direction and and you know ultimately people have to follow. Um so I believe that when you were at a meeting and you all agreed things and everyone was to go and do it, it happened. That certainly is not the case. Um so I suppose early on, my lack of experience, understanding culture, understanding dynamics, um, understanding different power players in the room and really being trained properly how to get the best out of people so that was you know you don't grow a business I talk about scaling your team to scale your business people automatically think that's a number in terms of scaling people you know it's not for me the first thing is scaling the quality of the people and so I you know that's I have huge roadblocks at the beginning of my career that I wasn't able to do that so that was the first thing the second thing then a big mistake I seen in terms of growing was not having a proper strategy or plan. And people think, you know, maybe in big corporates, these big massive strategies and 30-page documents, I don't believe that they work. You know, so we would have worked on a one or two-page um, strategy, the whole team around the table. And, you know, we got it down to we have a structure that I trained in and, and trained the team in. And that's when our most successful things happened. Entrepreneurs, I think, our biggest strength is we have lots of ideas. Our biggest weakness is we have lots of ideas. And we very often, we try to do, you know, we want to do 50 things, but do we, do we finish them? So you need people around you and to help you, you know, achieve the results. And, and I think the third one, probably two more. One is there's always a huge satisfaction employing and leading and developing people, but there's huge frustrations. You know, there's no science around people. It's constant development. It's, you know, any business. That buys a business in terms of mergers and acquisitions, and you'll know this better than me, the challenges always come down to the people side of it in my experience. Everything on paper looks okay. So unless you can get underneath that and really understand and know how to do that properly, you're going to have a problem. And the final piece is around innovation. I, you know, I probably said it four or five years ago that leaders who don't have the ability to adapt quickly and have an innovative culture in their business are not going to survive. And that's a big part of the work I do now in my own business with other leaders, because, you know, I probably seen it a few years ago. I certainly didn't predict the pandemic, but I seen the way the business environment was going. And, and the pandemic has certainly highlighted that, you know, for a lot of traditional businesses that have been doing the same thing for years and years. They really haven't the ability to adapt because it's just not in their DNA. And, and that's just learning the skills and, and the ability to do it. That's probably the key things.
2: God. I think what you're hearing, uh, what I'm hearing you say, and something that I've learned since I've been doing this on an entrepreneurial basis, is that there is an emotional element. And I don't really mean that it's an emotional element where there's a lot of touching and feeling, but the interactiveness of the people you work with. And you you cannot conquer the world all by yourself. You need to surround yourself with people who know a little bit more in other subject matter areas that you may not be familiar with. So I think what you're saying is that there is a very strong interpersonal part of running a business, being an entrepreneur, particularly emergence and acquisitions. I think you can attest to that. Is that correct?
0: It is certainly. And I mean, uh, I listened to one of your podcasts this morning and you talked about the importance of being a salesperson, no matter what job you do in business. And I think a lot of people don't like the word sales unless you're a salesperson. And they think it's you know, very maybe cheesy or you're trying to sell something to people that they don't want. The first priority is you have to find people who want what you're giving. And then you have to have the techniques to sell. But you're right. You know, the the owner and founder of a business, you're selling every day. You're selling to a bank to loan you money. You're selling yourself to your team to work for you. You're selling an idea. But it's sales for me is about, as you say, the interpersonal skills and building strong relationships and really understand what motivates the people on the other side
2: Right. Right. So you're working in your family's business and now you have Carum, which is your own independent entrepreneurial operation. Was there anything in between the two before you got to your business? Because you said you started it up in the pandemic. So was it from your family's business to your current one or how did that transition?
0: So I, I'm no longer in the family business. So I left that a few years ago. And um, so I suppose the interim piece was I went back to London and um, I got a scholarship to do an MBA so when I went back there, I got to work more internationally and and really had the idea that I believe the elderly care market, our, our family business is elderly care, um, real estate and hospitality. But I had this idea that the elderly care market I felt could be and should be disrupted and needed to be a lot better. And um, So I came back to Northern Ireland and created and opened um, the first lifestyle care home in Ireland. So that was in 2017. And again, that was, you know, back to the creative disruption strategist, that was tipping a whole industry on its head um, in terms of how we did things. So to give you an example, you know, in the care home, we have a pub, we have a cinema, we have a spa, a hair salon, a cafe, um, and it's all around lifestyle, not just care. So from that, then I, that then transitioned me into leaving the family business to set up Karen.
2: Well, that sounds really good. So you're focused in the healthcare industry and, and I'm telling you, um, Based on my experience, there's so many changes going on in the healthcare. Like here in Chicagoland, I can't tell you how many assisted living complexes are going out. And we're not talking about, you know, three or four unit complexes. We're talking uh complexes with hundreds of uh of assisted living apartments. So it's getting to the point where I think the focus on health care might be more toward the elderly. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Probably in, in uh Ireland as well, right?
0: Well, it just mean my parents have been out business thirty years, so they were the start of nursing home trend. Um, but we have an aging population all over the world, so um, and the dynamics of family were certainly in Ireland, for example, and probably all over the world, people looked after their elderly parents, and particularly women. You know, the workforce has changed massively, so that's not happening anymore. And um, so the the care provision and, and elderly care market has to change to, to meet that need.
2: So, what was the most, I guess, telltale moment for you? For you to realize that you needed to become the creative, disruptive strategist. What about the pandemic? What was the key element that kind of set off that light bulb to say, you know, there's something different I've got to do? What was that?
0: Um, Again, I suppose it goes back to what I said at the beginning, where I just believed everyone, my life was normal and everyone else's was kind of similar. I suddenly looked around and realized a lot of the experience I'd had in terms of our own family business. A lot of other businesses didn't have you know so we were in the hospitality industry which is very volatile anyway my parents had the business through the troubles so you have a lot of up and downs through that Um, creating you know the first lifestyle care and disrupting a market so I've been through purposefully a lot of disruption and, and I suddenly realized in the pandemic a lot of leaders a because their their business had been built rightly so on their own expertise and, and years of doing the same thing And so that was in the business, but then in the mindset of the leaders, they just didn't have the knowledge or skill or ability to be able to adapt quickly. So I looked around and I thought, God, there's lots of amazing entrepreneurs who actually just don't know what to do now because they've never been in this situation before. So that was, and I, I, you know, I just rightly or wrongly, I just believed I have a massive passion that I believe entrepreneurs change the world. And I just felt that if I could help those kind of entrepreneurs who were scaling their business and And really wanted to make a big impact in the world with the business experience and the mindset stuff. I I trained professionally, actually, in between as a coach, a business coach, that I could really help them, A, you know, not let the pandemic affect them, and B, to to be stronger and even better in the future. So that was the huge turning point for me.
2: Okay. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. Now we're going to talk a little bit about marketing. So now you have your new business and you're out there to assist the entrepreneurs deal with what I think everyone can characterize as an ever-changing environment. So what type of clients are you targeting? How do you target them? What are the first couple, three questions you ask an entrepreneur to see if you can assist them in anything that they do? How do you go about doing what you do now?
0: Sure, so social media is huge for me now. Um, and I, people talk to me about marketing and it wouldn't have been my expertise in the past, but I say it's very simple. You need to figure out who your clients are and you need to figure out where they are. Um, before you start marketing anything. Because um, numbers on social media and all the rest mean absolutely nothing. And um, so LinkedIn would be a huge marketing tool for me, as well as you know, business platforms, podcasts, in terms of the type of clients I work with. So it's entrepreneurs who are seven or eight figures and they're scaling even further up. Um, but they want to do it in a very, you know, and I talk about I, I created an innovative scaling solution um, or system that I use with them. And that's very much on the basis that it's not just a procedural scaling system that might have worked in the past. It's looking at what their business is, and then how do they inject different ways, different mindsets for their team. You know, there's huge on top potential and ideas in, in the team in every business to help them get those ideas together. Um, generally, they're in businesses that it's not just healthcare and hospitality, but businesses that are are similar in terms of customer experience or food industries. I mean, I would have worked with a lot of our suppliers in the business, so um, that would be the kind of businesses. And I'm tending to get, I know you shouldn't talk about age, but but generally people, you know, late 30s and the late 40s, because they're in that, you know, I talk about the transitional generation. Um, We're not the generation Y or Z, um, and we're not the very... Traditional, well established corporate, and and that transitional generation in the middle um, are, if they don't do things very differently to their predecessors who succeeded in a very different way, I don't believe they're going to succeed at all in business. Um, So that's, I help those guys.
2: Does there seem to be a couple or three things that most entrepreneurs tend to overlook? Is it financial? Is it operational? Do they have weaknesses in marketing? What are some of the common things that you're seeing in your clients that? tend to get overlooked that you're it's a it's a almost a low hanging fruit for you to go in there and help them correct.
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is always the people side. You know, people are build a team for now. They don't think, you know, if they're scaling a business, they don't think about, okay, where do we want to be in two years? Good people are promoted very often into roles that aren't suitable for them. You know, I say good footballers don't make good coaches. Um so I focus in on the people bits. Honestly, a huge challenge and, and for all of us is it's the mindset of the leader and I don't you know you've entrepreneurs you're very ambitious and and want to do things but I say unless you're working on yourself the same way as you're working on your business the business will never scale above you and then the connection between your customers and marketing I often say a disjoint between you know probably the entrepreneur shiny toy scenario that's They get all these gurus who say, oh, you need to be hitting this many numbers in social media. You need to be advertising this platform. You need to be doing this podcast, TikTok, YouTube. And I strip it back and I say, well, actually, you don't need to be doing all 20. You need to be looking at where are your clients and where are you getting a return. Unless you just want to be famous. If you want to be famous, okay. If you want to run a good business and make money, then we need to really zone down on what's important here. Um, And very often it's about stripping it back and, and focusing in. On, on what their message is and where their customers are and, and how they get to them.
2: So I think what I'm hearing you say, Kara, is that uh, you need to be a master of focusing on one, two, maybe three, rather than trying to be broad-based and less effective in 20 things. So, so focus, I think what you're saying, focus is key and become an expert on that. And if you can't focus in or be an expert on one, two or three things, then you bring other people to help you out. Is that kind of what you're saying?
0: You do. You certainly do. I mean, that, that's in, the, I suppose, the implementation stage. What I am love doing and very good at with entrepreneurs is, you know, i built a, a system around being very innovative in a business. So there's, there's mechanisms in a business to stop them being innovative. And I don't mean innovative like, oh, we're going to create the next iPhone, but constant improvement. How are we coming up with better ideas? How is the team constantly? So it's that 1% every day. You know, so that's what I would have done in our business. and And that's a... That's a system and a culture with your staff that as a leader, you need to know how to do it yourself and you need to you know, be able to ask yourself. So to give you one example, um, I train all my new leaders. First question I say to them, if I wasn't here today, what would you do? And when people are asked that question initially, they panic because most people work in an environment where the person above them tells them what to do and they do it. So they get scared that you're trying to trip them up. Once they realize that you're not trying to trip them up and you just want their ideas, then you know, you're expanding their mind. I say to people, recruit good people and teach them how to think, not what to think. Um, but that's, that's a whole system. So that's, that's another part which ties in with the, how, how do you stay ahead of a pandemic or a constantly changing environment and world?
2: Yeah, I think that's a very powerful statement there. And, uh, uh, one of the things I remember is Steve Jobs, uh, I, I always quote this, is that we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can come in and tell us what to do. And I think being open and receptive to new ideas, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to implement the new ideas, but at least hearing them, considering them, and making a determination as to whether that's the right thing to do going forward is probably the best thing to do because there's nothing worse than saying we've always done it that way, and that's the way we're going to do it. I I think you just got to be open to, uh, like you say, innovation, right? Yeah, I think that's the way to go. Well, unfortunately, Kara, we're approaching the end of our time slot here. Is there anything in our questions that, and uh, your answers that uh, we didn't cover that you want the audience to know about?
0: No, I mean I think we've covered everything. The key for me was just getting value across, and and that the your audience can see just the the practical side and and the simple things that you can do in business straight away.
2: That's great. All right. I thank you very much for sharing your insights, Kara. Last question, where can we go to find out more about you, your business, and uh, anything else about Kara?
0: Sure. So, I mean, I've obviously shared some of my story today. I I post on social media every day, just different tips and things. So, LinkedIn is probably the best place or Facebook. And also, I've created a, a gift for your listeners. So, on my website, if they go to karamorguk forward slash building better businesses, um, I've created a top 10 tips of how to scale your team to scale your business. Um, so that's just literally they can download and, and hopefully, you know, some of the advice and that they can implement straight away.
2: Sounds good, Kara. And audience members, you should take advantage of that offer. So uh, go right ahead and find her out and uh, check out what it is we can do to help you out. So thank you, audience, for joining us for another edition of Building Better Businesses. And we look forward to joining you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kara.
1: The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you
0: a better business.